I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds. And they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. FM 104's Room 104 podcast with Cormac Moore and Sir Shalon. All of his stuff in as well. That's so strange. Now, uh, he eventually, uh, he, he had lied and said that, oh, he was had a contract off the landlord who was living next door and that all turned out to be BS and he had to obviously move out. Not as crazy as that story we mentioned before. Of uh, There's a, a podcast called Criminal. If you, I don't know if you've ever listened to it. It's a popular enough one, all about different crimes. And the most terrifying thing I've ever listened to was story of a woman who moved out of her home for the first time, moved into uh, an apartment complex for college and uh, kept noticing food going missing and thought it was her brother who lived around the corner coming over, taking a can of Coke out of the fridge and taking some food. And then she got into the bath one evening and had the door open and then noticed in the ceiling, you know, the little latch or the, the hatch for the attic? Yeah. Yeah, noticed that slowly closing over and someone kind of up in the attic and she suddenly realised that someone had been living in the attic in her apartment for months while she was at college. Like that creeps me out so much because I have an attic and because I live on my own Yeah, and I'm always terrified that someone is living in, I have this like door in the attic part that goes into all these, I don't know what's in there, probably stuff to do with the shower or whatever. Yeah. Terrified to look in there. In case there is someone there. Someone could be living there, Saoirse. Stop it. Someone could be living there. No. Uh, Anyway, go Google that if you haven't seen it. But uh, that's what happened over in the UK. Eventually they kind of got him out. Um, So just be careful. Careful of uh, who you're sharing a gaff with and who you're sharing an attic with as well. Uh, Moving on now. If you cannot afford a €300,000 Rolls Royce, right? One Ah. of the classic, most expensive cars in the world, right? If you cannot Mm. afford one of those, they are releasing a miniature version for for, for kind of car enthusiasts that you still won't be able to afford because the miniature version, that's the same size as a a remote control car you'd buy a kid or something that you get at Christmas. So nothing fancy. It's that size, right? They are selling one of those for 27 grand. A toy car. They are selling a miniature model uh, Cullinan, Rolls-Royce Cullinan, Cullinan. Um, it's, 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 let me get you the exact dimensions here. It's 10 centimetres wide, 9 centimetres high, uh, 26 centimetres long. And they're selling it. It's like an exact scaled down version of a Rolls-Royce. So it has all of like the gold, it has all of the wood, it has all of the black gloss paint and all this stuff. They're selling this tiny little car for £27,000. So about 30 grand, 30,000 euro. I don't. I don't have any words. Is that for maybe <laughs> the the rich man that owns that uh, Rolls Royce that he wants to get his four year old child for their birthday? Like that's I the have, only. 
yeah, person I can absolutely think absolutely yeah. no idea. But just know that, yeah, people like Oprah could probably afford something like this, right? But I just don't get some people. The car looks stunning. It looks like, an, like a completely scaled down, exact replica of a Rolls Royce. But as I said, it's tiny and they're charging 27 grand for it. Now, how tiny are you talking? Well, again, it's 26 centimetres long, so that's the length of it. Uh, nine centimetres high, so it's like... So how it's long, tiny. How, how long would 26 centimetres be? What's that, like, maybe two rulers, a ruler and a half? Two so rulers. put on your shelf. Yeah, barely just about something that would put on your shelf. It's an eighth the size of an actual Rolls Royce, so it's, it's tiny. And you can lift this thing up in, in your hands and stuff like that. It's not, it's not big at all. 27 grand. It's a model car. Like, that's genuinely the most depressing thing I've ever heard. Like, that's the cost of an actual car. A nice car. An actual brand new nice car you would get here. People are just buying a little model car. Because there's so much good. money. I know. God damn you, Oprah. <laughs> yeah, just, Oprah is just splashing out money on a little miniature. It's not even remote controlled or anything. It's not even, And it's not even one of those cars. You know, you'd think some of the small, you can see those toy BMWs that rich kind of people get for their kids and they drive around the back garden in like a, in like a remote, in not a remote control, but like a motorized toy Mercedes or Range Rover. You know those yeah. ones that kids sometimes get? It's yeah. not even that. It's, it's like a quarter of the size of that again. It doesn't really... There's no remote controls with this. It's not electronic. You can't kind of charge it and drive it around the place. It's just a small miniature Rolls Royce that they're selling for 27 grand. I just don't understand it. Like, that just baffles me. Absolutely yeah. baffles me. Who is buying this? I, do, I don't know. I don't know. It does have... Um, it does like, have if you had stupid money, would you, would you buy that? No, I wouldn't. I, I couldn't justify buying that. Ever. Even if you had, like, 100 million a year, I'd just be like, no. Yeah. I, could sh- I don't know. Give it to charity. <laughs> For God's sake. I remember I was watching... Was it Rolls-Royce? There was a programme on TV about... Yeah, it was Rolls-Royce. Uh, and they were designing a new line of cars for Rolls-Royce. And in fairness, the detail that goes into it is insane. Now, it doesn't... I don't think it justifies the price, but the detail is absolutely insane. And they were building you know, custom builds and these feature cars and they were getting like a goldsmith to come down and put these tiny little diamonds embedded in part of the car and they send it back like 10 times because like one of the diamonds was half a millimetre too high on the the finish and it was insane, absolutely insane. And they had a picnic basket set. Like they had this, you could buy one of the cars with a picnic basket set that you could kind of pull out of the boot and it had, you know, plates and knives and forks and all that stuff. And that was about 10 grand. Just the picnic basket set was ten grand, a ten grand optional extra that you could uh, have along with the car. And they were saying most people buy it, but they'll never use it. They just wanted to have it, you know. So it's just a certain level of excess that we will never ever know. Oh, it's just madness. It really <laughs> is. I'm the same. No matter how much money I had, I could never justify that. <sighs> Something that's sitting on your shelf should never cost that much money. I know. I know. But there you go. There you go. If you win the Euro Millions, you can buy one. Buy yourself a real Rolls Royce, but you can just buy yourself a model one as well if you, if you don't want to do it. Uh, it's about twenty seven thousand for a tiny little model Rolls Royce, uh, and that has been done with that sort of thing. Careful now if you see it. Now it's mad um, uh, that we should give a shout out to. Do let us know. FM 104's Room 104 podcast with Cormac Moore and Sir Shalon. It's Cormac and Saoirse here on FM 104. Still to come a little bit closer to half ten, quarter to eleven. You're going to be hearing from someone who is advocating for the use of psychoactive drugs like MDMA 
and psilocybin to treat mental health issues like post-traumatic stress, addiction, uh, various different mental health issues and disorders. And apparently there's studies conducted all over the world that are showing incredibly promising results. We'll be chatting to her a little bit closer to half ten, quarter to eleven this evening. On the way next, the Angry Bartender Ireland. You might have seen the Facebook page. It's a bit of crack. Decent enough following there, but um, we're going to be speaking to the guy who's a bar manager who runs the page and he also is obviously working at a bar in Dublin at the moment. It wishes to remain anonymous, but we're going to be getting his thoughts about all of the confusing, conflicting information that has been released in light of the lockdown measures being lifted. But what's life going to be like in your local from here on in? What's the story with the food situation on the 29th? What's the story with the social distancing? Is it going to work? And now, what's the crack with only being allowed to spend 90 minutes in a pub at any one time. Is that going to work for you? Is it going to work for the bar staff? Will it be good news or bad news? Isn't we'll be getting the angry bartenders take on it all next here on FM 104. FM 104's Room 104 podcast with Cormac Moore and Sir Shalon. Cormac and Saoirse here and today I, I don't even know if it was good news or if it was uh, bad news but there was a lot of talk a little bit earlier on about information that came out with regards to your local pub opening saying that one, you well, yesterday we were told you have to have a main meal that cannot cost any less than uh, nine euros so you can't ha- um, the pub can't serve you peanuts in a bowl and charge you four quid for that. They, it has to be a sort of a main meal, it has to cost about nine quid, um, it's something you'd see off a main menu in the afternoon or the evening and, and then there was uh, a bit of information released earlier on or leaked earlier on or came out earlier on it was all over Twitter that you're only going to be allowed to stay in your local for 90 minutes um, I, I don't know if you saw this here but like 90 yes. minutes would disappear in the blink of an eye in your local I found this shocking like 90 minutes it's like um, you're going to kind of some game thing you know like a fit zone or something where you have 90 minutes blocked <laughs> and then you have to leave again maybe it there'll be a big uh, countdown clock on the top of the wall yeah. and they'll be oh, going in. what's going on yeah. Yeah. you make um, sure that you actually have enough time to spend with somebody because usually you meet someone in the pub maybe that you haven't seen in a while and you're catching up 90 minutes you're under a time slot are they going to come you, around and go right now your time's up out you go yeah so I mean I know uh, we're, the yeah, overall, we're all trying to make sure that we're safe to open, that we're keeping things clean and healthy and all that kind of things. But a few people pointed out earlier on that, is it not better to keep people in the one area for the whole night instead of forcing them to move to another place and another place and another place? You know what I mean? And we're not talking about, you know, people want to get smashed off their face from 7 o'clock in the evening to 12. But, you know, you go to a pub after you go to a restaurant because you know there's a bit of time pressure on you to free up the table in the restaurant. And now you're kind of like, yeah. you want to be able to sit down and relax in your local and kind of just uh, chill out anyway. So listen, um, as soon as there is clarification on all these things, we will uh, we will keep you updated on uh, the news. Will we'll keep you updated here and over on fm104.ie. But there's a, a brilliant page that was brought to our attention a little bit earlier on, and it's called uh, it's called the Angry Bartender Ireland. And we're after managing to get a hold of the person who uh, kind of runs that page. And because they work as a bartender, our bar manager, um, we're going to keep them anonymous. We'll just call them Angry Bartender from now on. But they join us on the line, uh, Angry Bartender. What's the story, sir? How are you? How's it going, Cormac? Yeah, not too bad. So before we maybe get into the kind of confusing mystery that is the current guidelines that have been kind of released or leaked or suggested for pubs opening in the next while, how long have you been running this Angry Bartender page? About six years now. So it was just started at the place, the event, you know. There's some private groups and stuff, but it was more just for the fun of it, just to get out there and, and have a bit of crack at, at the customer's expense, you know. <laughs> So venting yeah. about them, um, not leaving or talking to you too much, giving out about pints that aren't poured properly, the usual. The, yeah, the usual, just with a bit of a 
a funny note to it. I um I could have a few stories for you as well. Um, I can think everyone everyone in this country has worked in a bar. I think at some stage it's nearly like you know like a rite of passage to to, to growing up in, in Ireland and here. But the one thing that used to do my head in was I worked in a pub in Temple Bar for a couple of years, and you'd obviously get loads of tourists coming in. But this one crowd went absolutely insane at me. There was a, a big group of students. I think they were Spanish students, but the, the guy got really really aggro with me because I poured the Guinness and I let the Guinness settle, and he started screaming at me that Guinness was black and what I poured him was brown and he wanted his money back and I was like okay okay calm down there pal because uh, you know just take it easy so there's, there's, the, the good thing about working in the bar is that you'll have endless amounts of stories I think for the rest of your life oh uh, we could do a whole show on it I think <laughs> yeah, yeah we will listen the rest of the show has been cancelled angry bartenders on for the night we'll just be reading <laughs> Facebook posts but um, apart from obviously all the because it's it build up a decent you know decent following online now. there's about what 30,000 people who are following that page and obviously using it as group therapy amongst uh, amongst other things um, before we get into what came out today and maybe yesterday with regards to the food and stuff like that how has life been as a bar manager over the last couple of months I imagine a huge shock to the system yeah look it's been tough and, and like pretty much everybody but I'm a guy who hasn't had a weekend off in probably 17 years um, and adjusting yeah. to that adjusting your life back to daytimes look, look it's been hard but you're also suffering then with, with the worry because we were forced to close we knew we'd be last to come back and then we right. knew what would we come back to who knows so there has been that worry throughout and that's for, for everyone in hospitality. It's hotels, bars, chefs. So that has been a, a big factor over the last few months is that, is that worry. Which is, I, I mean, I think completely yeah. completely fair, fair enough as well. And I know, you know, you might be listening to this thinking that, oh God, like the pubs are, are not, I think we all know they're obviously not the most essential thing in the world, but there is about, what, a thousand licensed pubs in Dublin, I think. So there's a huge amount of people that are employed in the, yeah. in the pub trade in this city and so, in the country. Oh, massive. There'll be 7,000 pubs in Ireland, you know, um, and yeah. the fact that gets thrown around a bit is one in ten people who are employed in this country are directly employed in hospitality. That's not delivery drivers, that is directly employed by hospitality. And that's, uh, if you looked at my page over the last 46 weeks, that's what I'm fighting for. The comedy has somewhat dropped away to more of a serious point that yeah. I don't care personally if I can go out on a Saturday night and have a session which is what everyone thinks is going to happen I care about the staff that work for me I care about other hostility employees who want to come back to work and they want to make it as safe as possible for everybody and the publican is just getting slaughtered on, on social media that it's all the hungry publican who's making millions and that's a small fraction like th- th- there's family run businesses there's small pubs there's tiny pubs there's big pubs not everyone is making millions but they all employ people and that's what's key you know but I think it is fair to say that a, a lot of people that is their social outlet you know meeting someone on a Friday or Saturday night for a pint is what we miss the most I think oh, for a ab- lot of people absolutely but if you even take any occasion that we celebrate in Ireland predominantly is around a pub funerals weddings birthdays leaving parties you know engagement parties mm. it all stems around that, that social activity and that social hive it won't be like that for a while but people don't seem to want to give the pubs the benefit to open and see what it will be you know give people the opportunity to to work again and let's build up to that stage by stage and, and that's really what i'd be advocating for on the page is don't judge everyone because you think there's one large group makes millions and every publican is a millionaire that's not the case you know and you could go into it and insurance and all that stuff of why they're not but there are some pubs that charge a lot for a drink but they have large overheads there are some pubs down the country who charge very little and their family run it's different strokes different folks but the confusion isn't helping with people with people's opinions of what the pub will be 
you know like I get a lot of messages on the page a lot of messages from customers funny enough over the last couple of years as we got bigger a lot of bar staff seeking advice now I'm, I, I'm not proclaiming to be the best bar manager in the world but people reach out to us and seek advice but they're, yeah. not getting it, they're not getting it from the government they're not getting it from the LBA the VFI Falter Ireland they don't know where they stand you know and it, it's, it's heartbreaking when you read someone a message and I get a call of messages I have gotten a call of messages from older bar staff who have underlying conditions and they don't know if they're going to be forced to go back to work they don't know yeah. what and reading that just breaks my heart and I try to answer them but it's only my opinion I'm not educated enough to be telling people what they're going to do you know I know what I'm doing in my pub but stuff like that is heartbreaking and and the, the, the LVA and the, and the VFI and the government and Fulcher Ireland have a lot to answer for because we're being left behind and we're a big sector you know and, and it seems like our information is changing every second day we don't know our arse from our elbow we don't know what we have to do and it's poor we don't even know what we can open to. we're opening in 10 days pubs are opening the doors in 10 days and whether they're restaurants our pubs are served food so what you need to tell us what we have to do because we will do it we just need clarity um, uh, yeah I think that's probably fair enough so what you're opening obviously in 10 days I imagine you have uh, started maybe get a few deliveries back in what have you changed and how is your current setup in your place looking like at the moment well, like, so what we've done we had to bring in an online booking system to make sure we're okay with that we've, yeah. we're retraining some bar staff to be hosts some bar staff to be waitresses because obviously it will predominantly move to floor service which is fine they're back to work they're happy we've had to book storage for some furniture a lot of furniture there's a lot of labour in moving that we had a lot of stock in place for St. Patrick's that all had oh, to come back yeah. up and like wow. it, it, go, it goes down but it doesn't come back out as easy and that was an effort and like I just want to say fair play to the Heineken Diageo the CNC's because they were the first out to say don't worry about it we won't charge you you'll be credited and that helps the publican you know they're not worried about paying those bills but like <laughs> I've been back at probably about three weeks and I've been flat out organising all that and it's hard to organise it when it's changing you know like we had measured out and we created floor plans for our, our booking system on two meters. You know, and now we're hearing a maybe one meter. And we had created a booking time for two hours. Might be 90 minutes. Lads, like, this is not a rocket science. And if you had have asked anybody within the trade, you might have got a clear plan or some, some points or, or helpful tips on what to do. But they seem to have just gone ad hoc, doing what they want, and they're kind of just guessing now at this stage, it looks like. People are going to be turned off by the fact that they only have 90 minutes in the pub or they have to buy food with a pint. Well, yeah, that's, that's usually. And this statement that they have to buy food, I haven't heard that yet and it's been leaked. So I, I love clarity on that from somebody. 90 minutes is unfeasible, unmanageable, and it will not work. You know, like, and at that 90 minutes, can I nip out for a smoke? And does my time start again? It's just unfeasible. Like, and if, even if people take it out, out of their head, a packed pub with 500 people back to back, that won't be the case. It will be 60 people sitting down. That's still hard to manage. Who's been in? Who's gone? What are they doing? It, it's, it's unfair as well because you might get an extra spend from a dessert. You might get an extra spend of another cocktail, but you're restricting businesses to that now. You can't upsell. You can't do any of that because you're going to have to force your guests to leave after 90 minutes. Yeah, it just seems a bit yeah weird and confusing. So I know there's been... We, we had Simon Harris on last week and speaking about the, the two-metre um, reduction down to one metre. What he said now last... I think it was last Thursday we had him on, Wednesday or Thursday, he said that the official line is still two metres. So that officially has not changed. But I know, as I said, there's conflicting stuff coming out um, all the time that maybe they need to kind of firm up on a little bit. But with the two metres, have you been able to estimate how many people will be able to be in your pub and how much of a reduction it is in numbers? 
Yeah, uh, yeah. I, I know, but I tell you, I couldn't give you the figures because you might guess where I work because it's, it'd be a big enough place. <laughs> um, we'll, do, we'll do the maths and we'll figure out the equation uh, and algebra will come in handy. It's big enough, like, and there wouldn't be many pubs the size of what we have, like, you know. So, yeah, it would be a, probably about a 60-70% drop in what we can take people-wise, you know. Like, uh, it, it would kill it. But at two metres, we knew what we were getting into. You know, we were, like, yeah. we were able to plan for that. We could... We could staff, we could cost. We we knew, you know, like that was the plan. Two meters grand, and that's a two meters come in and sit down. And me and you, Cormac, go for a point Saturday when the pubs open and watch the whole Premier League. We could sit there for eight hours having a few casual points, no problem. Now yeah. apparently we can't do that, you know. So it, that gets difficult, you know. And it's just I'm gonna go again. It's just confusing. Lads, just tell us what you want us to do. Firm it down and let it get on with it because. Some business might make the call not to open until things get easier. Fine, but just let them know because then staff need to know. Families are worried. There's a lot that follows on behind it, you know? I think that's a big one, isn't it? Where people don't know and, I mean, everyone's trying to do their best to stick to the guidelines, but I guess when it's blurred and it's very restrictive, it makes it very hard for, you know, even when I heard about this today, I don't know how officially true it is. It put me off. I thought to myself, well, I'm not going to go to a pub until, you know, the restrictions have, have eased completely. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. We don't want to like work it in any way either. You should be coming to the pub to switch off. You know, yeah. you should be. Like, yeah. We're trying our best not to make the pub environment like a hospital. You know, what I mean, not too sterile but clean. You know, you 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 feel safe, but it's not sterile where you're going. This is like a hospital, and that, like that's what you want to be doing. But you don't want to be sitting there watching your watch. You know, I'm going to be over here in an hour or the half an hour. Like that's not right, and that's not what it's about. Pubs should be a switch off from reality to socialise. And, and to, to, to chill out with friends and that's what we're known for you know yeah it'll be interesting over the next couple of months to see what does happen and, and to see what does happen down so well, I agree with you 100% with regards to as well as what you said turning kind of people off and I hope it doesn't happen because mm. as you said there's there's so many people who are uh, involved uh, I know live entertainment isn't back as of yet but people need obviously there's the direct people who are employed but obviously musicians um, who have uh, musicians and comedians and performers and production staff and lighting crew and all that stuff uh, for venues that do have stages and live music as well they're all out of work as well so I mean there is a knock on effect of this it's massive but just a step back as well that hasn't been recommended the LVA suggested that study could open earlier no one has come out and said you can't have live music like so and, and I understand that that's a big misconception like like if I open on the 29th I can put a band on but people can't get up and dance you know and that's on me to manage that but you probably wouldn't have live music if you can't afford it but it's the, miscon- <laughs> yeah. it's the misconceptions that's out there people don't understand and if people are confused they will be afraid and they won't want to come to pubs and the government and, and the lobby groups aren't helping us they're really not they're fighting amongst themselves just sit down lads talk to each other and come out with a coherent statement of what we have to do. You know what I mean? And change it then based on medical advice. Not because, well, some group thinks we should open longer or shorter. Or, like, that's not right. Yeah. It's just not right. We just need clarity. Just, you know what? Yeah. Let everyone sign a waiver on the way in the door saying, you know what? <laughs> you can come in and stand as close to everyone beside you. Uh, you're just not going to sue us if you get coronavirus. So you can go that's sort it. that out yourself. Yeah. But, yeah. Uh, <laughs> well, well, listen, fingers crossed. Obviously, it. it uh, it's frustrating, but I suppose it, in, in in some ways it's a good frustration to have because you're getting your doors back open and fingers crossed over the next couple of days and weeks we'll have an exact plan and you'll be able to kind of get back serving pints again and get people in in behind the bar working again. But uh, the, the the Facebook page that you manage as well, where I know you're kind of going to be going to be updating um, as the developments come out, is what it's the Angry Bartender Ireland. It's just a bit of crack, but sometimes you'll see I like to post a rant and it comes from passion. <laughs> 
because I just love the trade. You know, it's always been good to me. Yeah. I think we need to support hospitality. That's the hotels, that's the kitchens, that's the restaurants, the bars, the Davian Light musicians, because we all need it over the next six months to a year, you know? Yeah, couldn't agree more. 100%. Appreciate well, listen... Angry bartender, very best of luck at figuring out the mystery that is reopening pubs on the 29th. And listen, all the best, and we'll chat you again soon. Appreciate it, guys. Thanks. FM 104's Room 104 podcast with Cormac Moore and Sir Shalon. It is uh, Cormac and Saoirse here on FM 104. Um, still to come, we'll be talking about psilocybin, MDMA, and how they are being used in clinical trials to treat PTSD, addictions, alcoholism, various different uh, mental health disorders. So we'll be chatting about that shortly as well. We were just on the phone there to uh, an anonymous barman who runs the uh, Angry Bartender Ireland page um, just talking about the confusion around some of the reopening plans from the government when it comes to the pubs. In the last uh, in the last few minutes, Falter Ireland has released guidelines for pubs. So if you are working in a pub, if you are um, working in the, the pub trade, head on over online, just look for Falter Ireland online. They have released uh, a ton of guidelines for your pub to be allowed open. Um, some of the new changes, okay, so there was talk of the 90 minutes, you're only going to be allowed to sit at a table for 90 minutes. The 90 minute time limit has now changed to 105 minutes. Oh, for so you'll God's be allowed sake. 105 minutes at your table in your local. Now, maybe that was pressure from the football fans because that, that's what they were saying. It's like 90 minutes, you wouldn't, you wouldn't, with half time included, you wouldn't be able to watch a football match. So there you go. Maybe they're accommodating. Um, Wait, 102 minutes? Five, 105. Sorry, 105, oh, 105 minutes. So that's 90 minutes. Are they literally minutes. counting it by the minute? Well, that's probably, you know, your your 90-minute match plus the 15-minute halftime interval, so that brings it up to bang on 105. Do you know what it'll be like? You know when you go into uh, certain places in town to get certain burgers and chips and they give you a little buzzer thing for when your food goes off? Yeah. And you have to go collect it. So you're sitting at the table waiting for the food. That's what it's going to be like. You're going to have a buzzer and it will start buzzing when you have to leave. <laughs> yeah. That's that horrific. could be, it. again, uh, how they're going to manage that, I don't know. But now apparently the, 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 the rules for pubs reopening from the 29th of June, provided everything else stays the same, have been released by Falster Ireland. So these are available online as well. Some of the other things that have been released in this document, which we're just kind of having a read of over the last few minutes, uh, the 15-minute cleaning period between each booking. Uh, also, the number of the person who books the table is going to be held for contact tracing. Uh, that's going to be a GDPR issue now the pubs are going to have to deal with. Uh, apparently, carveries are allowed with one-way systems and social distancing. So a lot of people were saying carveries are gone. But apparently oh, now God. carveries are going to be allowed. Uh, menus must be single use or made of a material that can easily be cleaned after each use. So, Fair uh, enough, I suppose, yeah. I suppose it's getting a little bit... Uh, anything people are going to be touching, so shared menus, you're going to have to wipe them down after every time. And it's going to be difficult for bar staff and the waitresses and the floor staff to do all that. I mean, there'll be so much more than they have to kind of do. Uh, the usual stuff. Customers must be seated apart from you... Uh, must be seated... Uh, apart from using the toilet, paying and leaving, where possible, you're going to have to have a separate entrance and a separate exit. Uh, smoking areas are to be allowed, but says numbers have to be controlled. You'll need, you'll need regular announcements in your pub about social distancing and public health advice in pubs. So here's an opportunity for us here. We could go to pubs and say, we have recorded a load of this audio for you to play over your system. You know, Welcome to your local pub. Please adhere to two metres social distancing at all times. Thank you for understanding. 
That's brilliant. Yeah, I would definitely pay €100. Euros a, bit of, a, a bit of voiceover work for that uh, right now at the moment. So, uh, listen, they have, in fairness to Fallchild, has come out. Apparently, you have to clean the tap head every time you change a keg. They have outlined pretty much everything. So, you have 105 minutes in your pub now. You're going to have to book. You're going to have to give contact information. For The one person who makes the booking has to give their contact information. I imagine if there is, so there's contact tracing so people can kind of stay on top of who was in the venue at any one time. So if there is um, any cases or, or outbreaks. So uh, a lot of reading It is for stressful, you. isn't it? It is stressful and it's going to be difficult for pubs and the likes to maintain the standards that they're being told to maintain and there's a lot of extra work there. But it is good news that they are opening and they're able to open. Uh, yeah, it is. It is good news. It'd be a challenging situation. The only thing, and a lot of people have pointed this out online as well, you know the way Irish people, we are just horrifically bad at finishing up late at night. Oh, yeah. You know when last orders is called? Like, last orders yeah. is like, oh, we have an hour. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. Last orders, we, we kind of have an hour. And people are like, you're right there, folks. You're like, yeah, don't worry about it. We're finishing this up. So what's going to happen if... You know, you have 20 minutes left and you order, you order yourself three pints. You know, some people do that last orders, order themselves an extra pint. Like, what's, what's going to happen? How are you going to manage that? Yeah, are you going to have to book in then to go to a pub? You can't just turn well, you have to, to They pub. will all have to have an online booking system. You can't just show up to a door. You will have to book in to a pub because it'll be like a restaurant. Just, for the next while, you're going to have to treat your pub as a restaurant. You can't just rock up to a restaurant. You can't just now rock up to a pub. So then there's going to be exact time slots then, probably, yeah. from the time it opens until the end. So there yeah. won't... They probably won't serve you three points, yeah, 20 like, minutes to the end. Yeah. They should put um, either countdown clocks or, you know, the like, is it the sand timers or the glass timer things, an egg timer thing? You do, as soon as you come in, you turn it over and it just pours down. And when your glass is out, some people just turn it over constantly. <laughs> that wouldn't work either. Yeah, see, they'd have to have one that's actually stuck to the table that turns itself at certain times. But it's going to be hard and it's going to be very strange. Like, I can't yeah. imagine not just walking. You know, there's, oftentimes I'd go for a walk on a given Sunday or something with a friend and you just pop in for a glass of wine in the pub. You can't yeah. do that anymore. You have to book in. Um, so I'm I'm sure that there'll be a lot of people read this document. There's a lot of pages in the uh, guidelines for the pubs that has been released online. A lot of people will be reading through it. So there's a ton of information in it. But I suppose some good news and some clarity after speaking to our angry bartender there, there is now specific guidelines in place how they're going to be implemented, if they're going to work, who knows, just treat your pub, treat your local as a restaurant from now on. You can't just rock up. You can't stay there for the whole night. 105 minutes, you're going to have to book in. You're going to have to leave names and numbers. Um, but I suppose, yeah, good news is that they're, they're, they're opening and we're kind of so, inching towards normality sooner rather than later. And listen, hopefully this will go well and the numbers will keep going down of cases of coronavirus. And then soon, maybe soon, you'll be able to shift someone in a bar again. I don't think we will be. I think that's just a thing of the past. As well as that, you know when you sit up at the bar, surely the stools there are going to be gone. You know people yeah, that no, go in on their not, own. You're not allowed at the counter. Yeah, no, you're not allowed at the counter. No counter service. That's sad, isn't it? It's sad for the outlet of the bar who goes in and has like two or three pints and then leaves. He reads his newspaper and then goes. Yeah, it is. Like, I just thought that maybe they could have that, you know what they have in the supermarkets now, the, what's it called, divider thing. Up like for the barman. See, I still think that I still think that they're. I still think they'll have to have that as well. Anyway, I, I, I'm not sure, but like you wouldn't be able to, like you have a little hole underneath it, you know, because you wouldn't be able to pass yeah. the point. No, no counter service anyway. Uh, yeah. No shared water jugs um, uh, and different things. So there's tons and tons of 
rules. It'll be up on fm104.ie in the next while anyway and clarifying that and I'm sure we'll be hearing more but there you go. Your local now has a blueprint. Your local has a plan to figure out how they can open back up. Some will open earlier than later, uh, earlier than others and then uh, I'm sure a lot of other places will leave it until um, one, we get rid of the virus so there's no risk and sooner rather than later, fingers crossed we can get there sooner so we don't have to worry about this and we can go down and enjoy a pint responsibly of course. But there you go and um, if you want to check it out, Falcher Ireland has released that. It's up on their website if you want to take a look. Still to come on the show tonight, uh, going to be talking to someone who is advocating for the use of MDMA and psilocybin and other psychoactive drugs and psychedelics to be used in uh, treatment for mental health disorders. So things like post-traumatic stress, even things like depression and alcoholism and addiction. Uh, some people are starting to use, well, a lot of people, I should say, are starting to look at the uh, positive impact that certain clinical trials using psychedelics um, and psychoactive drugs are having. FM 104's Room 104 podcast with Cormac Moore and Sir Shalon. Cormac and Saoirse here in FM 104. Reminder, you can get the podcast up on your usual podcast places if you missed any of the interviews. One in particular you might be interested in having a listen back to was uh, yesterday's interview with uh, Jayla Vonk, who is selling her used, smelly, dirty clothes, shoes, socks, gym gear. Now, selling it online, and she is now making 100 grand a month since lockdown began. Fascinating stuff. Maybe we'll get some ideas about how you can... Uh, you know, get your side hustle on. That's up on the Room 104 podcast anyway. But now, speaking of stinky, smelly stuff, more good news about mm. smells. Yeah, everybody loves a good scent, don't they? There's like certain scents that you reminds you of holidays or reminds you of good times or bad times or someone that you disliked. But a study was done that shows that scent is most closely linked to memory. Now, I thought this was really interesting. So people remember a scent with 65% accuracy after one year while only visually remembering 50%. So you're going to remember someone's smell whether it's good or bad, more than you're going to remember what they look like. Yeah, uh, that's really interesting, but it kind of makes sense. I remember seeing something before that I think your smell is the only thing it bypasses a certain part of your brain, I think. And, and that's why when you can smell something, it can bring you back to a certain time and a place straight away, as opposed to, as you said, you look at something and kind of go, oh, I don't know where that's from. But like if you wear Lynx Africa, you're back at being uh, 14 years of age in an underage <laughs> disco uh, and when you're wearing your Ben Sherman shirt thinking you were a legend and you weren't. It's so true. Um, but they like linked it to your emotional state as well. That uh, Smells have a strong influence on your emotions, different types of smells, how productive you would be working under a certain smell. Um, and then they did a study, which I found really interesting, when a group of people exposed them to uh, baby powder aroma, coffee aroma and no aroma at all. And with the coffee aroma, it produced, er, sorry, it produced a reduced perception of time, whereas the baby powder produced a longer perception of time. Oh, weird. Isn't so kind weird? of time, t- time dragged with the baby powder, but sped yeah. up with the coffee. And it's funny when you do think of coffee, maybe it's, it must be the smell because we associate it with uh, taking a break or in the morning, you're not really sitting down for hours with a coffee. So the smell might be No, you're, a, you're always busy with a coffee, aren't you? You never kind of yeah. sit, you sit back and relax with a cup of tea. You don't sit back and relax with a uh, coffee. No. So uh, that was interesting. And also, and I've noticed this in the doctors that I go to in the waiting room. So lavender fragrances are often used apparently in care homes and waiting rooms and hospitals and stuff because it's calming for patients. Mm. Now, I never knew this before, but I have noticed a kind of sense of Relax, like relaxation. No, no, I guess. Lavender, I like all like the, the the scented candles and all that stuff. Lavender is that not a? You know they have that in the health spas and everything. It's just a nice smell of lavender yeah, relaxing I guess everyone. They do. 
Like you don't think of it really when you go into these places, but you realise that you're feeling much more relaxed and you don't really know why. So um, that uh, is a good one to use to relax, whatever. But this one, I think every office should have once we go back to work. A study done in Japan found that lemon oil diffused in an office space saw a 54% increase in productivity. No way. Yes. Is that because it's so horrific that people just want to get out of the building as fast as possible and just hammer through their work then? Apparently lemon uh, makes you more alert. Really? The smell of lemon, yeah. Which I find really, really strange and fascinating. Lemon. I mean, this is one of the things that... um, Offices will never ever consider. And fair enough, like because you so much other stuff going on that your head's doing. You know, the last thing you want is some annoying member of staff going, "Guys, can we do something about the scents in the office, please? <laughs> I'd really like to address that at the next uh, board meeting." Like, shut up, Karen. Go home. Yeah. No one needs to hear this. Do you but, know what's um, funny it, though? A lot, a lot of offices, like say our office space, there's no window anyway. So if it is a really warm day. There's often times that we're turning up and down the heat because I like to be really warm and you love to be cold. But on a really warm, sticky, clammy day and you're in an office, there's no air going through. If you had yeah. something like that and you don't even notice it in the corner, it probably would make you more alert. I don't I, know. I'd love to say we could try it out, but we, we can't because we're all working remotely. We can have your own smell in your own home office. Happy days. But yeah. what, what would you say then, in, in your opinion, right, is the mm-hmm. most disgusting smell in the world? The most disgusting smell, obviously, besides sewage or something like that. Because um, I would have said uh, the bins. Yeah, the bins is pretty bad. And the one thing I noticed as well, it doesn't matter where you go all around the world, bins all smell the same. Yeah, I, agree I don't know with why that, that is. Yeah, that is a pretty bad smell. What else do I not like the smell of? Hmm, I know you don't have a cat, but the smell of cat pee is by far one of the worst smells you will ever smell in your life it really is horrific so that's I'm trying to think of other other gross smells that they are and it doesn't have to be disgusting I'm talking about like smells that will turn you off um, whether it's it's spices or sauces or, or whatever it is or certain foods you know smells that just turn your stomach will you let us know what anything it is? Oh, eight, seven, six, to seven, do with fish as well do you not like fish some people oh. like some people hate salmon I love smoked salmon I love the smell of it get high off it the smell of fish would turn my stomach. So anyone cooking fish, I am no nowhere to be seen. Really? Yeah, absolutely disgusting. No. So if anyone has ever taken me out on a date, do not cook fish for me. Please. Don't go to Hoth. Don't go out Don't to any of the, the fisheries out there. No. Like obviously, like silage and manure. You know, in the summer times, you get wafts of it where you're like, oh, good God, that's. That's never nice. And regardless of what your parents said, you never got used to it. You know, that's good for you. You'll enjoy it after a while. I don't think you ever would after a while. Or do you know what? Seaweed as well is horrible. Seaweed? Seaweed's a horrible smell. Yeah. I was in Bray, obviously, the other day and walking up along the pier. There was loads of houses on the, the side of the hill. And I just thought, imagine having to smell that every day. I'd be constantly <laughs> sick. It's disgusting. <laughs> yeah, that'd be pretty bad. And a smell that a lot of people don't like, but I am obsessed with, and it's not a good thing. Petrol. I love the smell of petrol. (laughs) We don't advocate you sniffing glue or sniffing petrol, but I think a lot of people would agree with you. When you're putting petrol into your car, you can't help but go, I love that smell. Do you think they do that deliberately so you actually love, you you love it? They could be. Who knows? I wouldn't put it past them. 
Wouldn't put it past him, no. The smell of petrol. Let's see who will come. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Thumbs up on this. Oh, naturally, benzene naturally has a sweet scent to it that our noses are especially sensitive to. The smell of benzene can be euphoric, but it's also toxic if you inhale large amounts of it. Yes, so there you it's go. very bad. But it is a weird, a nice smell. I like that a lot. Mm, yeah, there's tons of stuff there, actually, why some people love the smell of gasoline. You do it too much, lads, you're going to die. So, do you know what you else I, I don't like the smell of? That's a weird uh, want. one. <laughs> Absolutely hate the smell of want. I also ha- hate the smell of rain. Rain? Yeah, I don't like the does smell rain of rain. Smell? Yeah, it does smell. It's not a nice smell. It's like a, a musky, dirty smell. I don't well, Maybe like you, that's just. Oh, do you know what was the worst smell? When your school jumper got rain on it. Oh, stop. Oh, <laughs> gross. I think school jumpers smelled anyway. Yeah, the best of times because you were just a sweaty hormonal teenager. Yeah. But any, I just remember any time the smell, the big green, big green jumper. What was made? Was a wool? It was made of. I don't know what it was. Anyway, any time it rained, it was just horrific. Yeah, I agree. Disgusting. Um. Oh, look at this! I hate the smell of tar. Oh yeah. Not bad when they're doing the roads. Yeah, actually, it's yeah, very clammy, isn't it? Just reminding it there. I smell it now, and I'm like, oh god. Yeah. Yeah, tar is bad. Mm-mm-mm-mm. Trying to think what else I hate. Look at this. You've got some people who are agreeing with you. This is mad. I'm, I'm with Saoirse about the smell of rain. It smells awful. I, 
when Thank did you. rain start smelling, lads? It does smell. That's in from Michelle. How are you, Michelle? What's the crack? It does smell, particularly if it's a warm day. You know, if it's a warm day and it starts raining. Yeah. And it's, it's just, I don't know what it is. It's nasty. Uh, good evening, Rory. What's the crack, sir? How are the dogs? Rory has said, the smell of freshly cut grass. Now, I don't mind the smell. It's just that Hang because of my on. because of my allergies, I get really, really bad um, chronic hay fever to the point where I feel as if I'm going to die. So I, uh, me and freshly cut grass, that's my kryptonite. Can't do it. See, I have no allergies, thankfully. Touch wood. But are you saying that that's not a nice smell? I think that's what Rory's saying. No, Rory, that's probably in the top for me, top two nicest smells uh, of all time. What, like that? After petrol and cut grass? <laughs> yeah, pretty much. I love the smell of cut grass. I absolutely no, love it. I love to leave the smell you on of, your own on that one. The smell of coffee as well, and I don't really like coffee, but I love the smell of it. Um, what else do we have here? This is a stinking feet. Yeah, I mean, that's, yeah, that's going to be oh. a bad one. Actually, do you know what? That's a very good one. And the worst part is, obviously, you know when your own feet smell, and I sometimes get put off by that. You know if you're making food, and then you take <laughs> off your shoes, and you sit down, and you actually have to stop. Like, yeah. the odd time, I'll go and wash my feet, because they're so bad, and then I'll come back and eat. But it's when someone else is in your home, and they take off your shoe, or off their shoes and sit there on the couch, and you're like, can you, can you not do that? And they don't say anything, and you're trying to eat, and you can't cope. Yeah, you can feel it wafting, wafting oh, into your so face. You're like, yeah. Oh my god, disgusting! Thanks for that, Sarah. That's a pretty bad one. Um, who is this from? In now, we got a long text in about someone's favorite smell, their least favorite one. Mary, thank you, uh, thank you for this. The smell of a newborn baby is the best ever. Never leaves you feeling emotional. The worst smell is vomit. Yeah. Yes, I agree. I actually agree with both of them. Babies have this fresh smell. I know that sounds really weird and really creepy, but they do. They have a smell of new. To them and they're just yeah, <laughs> it's, like it's, a new car it's, smell, is it? I, I don't know what it is. Maybe it's a maternal thing. I don't know. Even though I don't have any kids, they they just have this smell that is so warm or something. And then obviously the smell of vomit is vile, and it and it lasts for ages. Like even yes. when you wash clothes after you get sick on them, they still <sighs> smell like sick. So you just have to throw them out. Oh, disgusting! Uh, worst smells ever. Oh eight seven six seven nine seven one four. I think the smell of sulfur. So sulfur would be in rotten eggs, and sulfur is in some naturally occurring places as well. Horrific, turns your stomach. Yeah. Uh, Matthew, yeah, good so. evening. Matthew said coriander smells ooey. Weed really? smell. No, as far as I know, is it coriander that Tara Murray hates? Uh, Tara hates a lot of things. Or is it basil? It's, I think it's coriander and she often says that it tastes like soap when she eats it. So I'm assuming it's probably the same thing and maybe there's a smell to it. Apparently there's only a small percentage of people that can actually smell something completely different. Oh, really? Mm. Yeah, that's weird. Isn't, we'll, we'll compile together a list of the, the worst smells. Worst smells in the... Oh, how could I forget this? The worst smell in the world is your gym bag after you've left the clothes in it for a couple of days and you haven't oh. bothered to wash them and then you open it and it's like, holy God. It smells like someone died. <laughs> I actually think it's probably the same smell that's in my car right now. Yeah, that, that, that's a good one. Um, I always wind up leaving coffee cups in the car and then you get this mm. weird, disgusting, musky smell in your car, which is disgusting. Also, uh, shin guards after you play a game of football 
they are disgusting. Nice. And I always remembered um, because gloves were made out of latex, right? Goalkeeper mm. gloves are made out of latex, so your hands couldn't really breathe in them. Just get all stuffy. They stink of sweaty, stinky latex after a match from your gloves. Horrific. Yeah, you've and mentioned even this after a few you have times. a shower, uh, even after you have to shower, the smell just lingers. It's disgusting. Ugh. Yeah, Ugh. yeah, that's, absolutely that's vile. Gross. I haven't smelled that now. Um, <laughs> what else is a bad smell? I'm trying to think of daily things. Here's a cool fact: a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact: you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. 